Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. What I want to do today is talk a little bit about some examples in our culture of fatherhood. I would probably say they're rather uh, embarrassing examples, but yet they're really prevalent. And then I want to talk a little bit about how the Bible gives us an example in St. Paul as a man who's undergone the transformation and becomes a gift to his community. And then in the end, talk about how the Eucharist is essential for all that, okay? So let me begin with a few examples. Uh, and I'm trying to go maybe intergenerational here, so different generations may recognize some of these examples, okay? The first one would be the character named Al Bundy. Do you remember him at all from Married with Children? All right. If you're too young to remember, it's not worth even seeing the show. Okay, but the basic show was Al Bundy was married to his wife named Peg. He had two kids. For a few seasons, there was a weird animal talking in the basement, but that never went long. He was a shoe salesman, and he was absolutely a very broken man. Any example, any time something in his life demanded that he took responsibility, rose to the occasion, and was there for others, he always shirked his responsibilities, always avoided them, oftentimes complaining with a famous phrase, Aw, Peg! Which was him complaining that his wife would ever ask anything of him. His kids lived like orphans, you could tell, a wildly promiscuity in both of their lives, and yet he was one of the most famous TV dads. A broken, self-absorbed, immature man. Second one, maybe more of you will know this one, Cartoon World. Peter Griffin, right, from Family Guy. Right? Funny, entertaining at times, I grant that. But here's this guy who anytime anything comes at him, responsibility, intensity, what happens? It's a five-minute escape into fantasy land of Peter's mind. Doing anything he can but being an inspiring hard-working, sacrificial man for his family, his workplace, and his friends. Immature, self-absorbed, funny at times, of course, but still, once again, his kids seem to just share in a home, but they don't know their dad's heart. He certainly doesn't take the initiative in their lives. And then maybe the most current example, although I'm aware now that this is even outdated, Phil Dumphy, all right, with Modern Family wildly cute man in many ways, his goofiness and childlikeness, his playfulness, of course. But once again, you have an incredibly immature man. He likes his toys, his hobbies. He's more interested in being friend with his kids than giving them the gift and nobility of fatherhood. When it comes to his marriage, he, he can't do anything. He doesn't take the lead. He's not competent. These are prominent images of fatherhood over the last 20 and 30 years in our culture. And it's true, art imitates life, but it's also true, art influences life. And why we can criticize and judge or enjoy and laugh about these characters, the church would have a certain language when looking at men like this. We would say they're wounded, that they suffer from wounds. And the two main wounds in these type of men would be hopelessness and powerlessness. Powerlessness says, I can't do anything. I can't be great. 
I have no power over my life. I'm just stuck. There's nothing I can do. And so you kind of give up before you even try. Hopelessness says, I can't find fulfillment, meaning glory. Yeah, dreams of being a wonderful man were awesome, but I can't do it. There's no way that's going to come true for me. And so these two wounds combined cause a paralyzation in not just men, but also women's souls. All of our souls can feel this stuckness, suffering from wounds. We do everything we can to not be destructive. We don't want to be too bad. But we then also aren't too great either. We just stay in a middle road that's kind of meh. Well, now look at the Bible holding up in the second reading, St. Paul. St. Paul, who in his letters writes to the different communities saying, you're my children and I am your father. Taking deep responsibility, sacrificing, suffering, willing to pour himself out, saying, I am running the race as to win. But it's important to remember, St. Paul was also a murderer. Before he had this powerful transformation, he suffered from judgment, arrogance. He was going to use all his aggression and he snuffed out St. Stephen. And he was murderous, breathing murderous threats, it says in the Acts of the Apostles, towards the Christian community. We would say now, this guy has a past or a colorful story, okay? And yet now, here he is, fully alive, making a gift of himself. How does this happen? What causes a change? What allows us to overcome our wounds, particularly of hopelessness and powerlessness? Well, in the second reading, St. Paul today says, I received from the Lord what I handed on to you. Namely, and he describes the Eucharist. But I've been preaching for eight years. I studied uh, theology for ten years. And I never realized till this week, wait a minute. St. Paul wasn't at the Last Supper. He didn't receive this from the Lord. What could he possibly be talking about? The other apostles received it from the Lord. He didn't. How did he receive this? He received it from the church. And most importantly, what he's showing to the community and to us is, what I give you, I also need. What I have received, I give. We're all wounded. We're all fallen. We're all in need of help. And St. Paul shows us that the help most powerfully comes, not just through scriptures and prayer, not through hard work, but through the reception of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the place where St. Paul discovered and experienced his healing, his renewal, his transformation. And this is so important because, see, Jesus is on our side. He comes not to crush us in our weakness, needs, and poverty, but to heal us and set us free so we can actually be the gifts to our church, our families, and the world we've always meant to be. We've always wanted to be, but so many things paralyze and get in the way, both from within and from without. And so the Eucharist becomes what the church calls the medicine. It's meant to heal us. But just like if I have an infected eye, I put an ice pack on my knee, it makes no sense. So too, we take the places in our heart that are scared, that are hurting, that are confused, that feel hopeless, powerless, 
What do we do with them? We kind of keep them in the car. And then we come to Mass and we go through the motions and our conscience is cleansed because, good, I went to Mass on Sunday. I might not feel guilty when I wake up on Monday. That's a good thing. But Jesus is saying, won't you come to me with your needs? Won't you, unlike Al Bundy, Peter Griffin, and Phil Dimphy, recognize that I have so many areas that I want to be so much more than I am, but I need help. And then once we're willing to receive his help, then we can give it to the world. We can give it to our homes, our workplaces, school, graduation parties, the transitions going off to college, things like this. Then we have him with us. And so perhaps on this Father's Day and the day we remember the Eucharist, what we can remember is not just for fathers, but for mothers, for all men of every age, women of all ages, that the Eucharist isn't some sort of like divine candy that we give so we feel some sort of special powers, but rather it's meant to be medicine. And so often, instead of hiding our wounds, every Mass we're invited, won't you show me where it hurts? Won't you let me know where you feel stuck? So that by the power of the Eucharist, as I said in the opening prayer, we may experience in ourselves always the fruit of his redemption. That is to say, the great renewal he's offering to each one of us.